Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Uh, guys, I think there's just one thing for me to say to you both today, which is, uh, hello there. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> hello there, back. Oh, wow. All right, now that that's out of the way, what are we talking yeah. about today? Obi-Wan Kenobi. The first two episodes, or in this case, parts, not chapters, but parts, yeah. of the uh, series ha- were released at Star Wars Celebration. Tom and I were there. We were in the room for the global world premiere, uh, which I feel like is redundant. Uh, the world premiere uh, with the cast and crew, and it was the room was electric. It was fantastic. They oh, they did on. a special screening. Uh, they actually had a Kenobi panel on Thursday. Last Thursday, as we're recording to the court recording this, um, they talked about Kenobi as part of the Lucasfilm Studios showcase, and they said, "Hey, everyone who's here gets to come back tonight at seven o'clock to watch the world premiere. The first two episodes of the series before it releases on disney plus that evening uh, at midnight and, and the place the place went wild that it did it, it did way. and they actually Everybody, ended up yeah, moving totally up wild. the release date uh for everyone else as well to 9 30 p.m so was, i think it was 9 30 ish uh so everyone else could watch it but you know there's just mm-hmm. nothing like watching star wars live in a in a giant room of people and especially yep. for these two episodes it was such a great start to celebration and i'm excited to dive into these episodes we talked a, a little bit about celebration in our episode uh yesterday that we recorded live at celebration uh but now we're gonna dive into these two fantastic episodes and yep. talk just a bit more about obi-wan kenobi it's it's finally here um so tom Without yeah, further ado, here we go. With, yeah, without <laughs> further ado. Well, I, I know that suspense is killing me because I'm dying to tell everybody that the two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, we're going to do the first rundown. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 1. It was directed by Deborah Chow, written by Joby Harold, uh, Hassan Hameen, and Stuart uh, Besettle. Sorry. I mean, my voice is still Beady. coming back. So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry. My, my voice is still coming back. So, please bear with we me. We did a lot of talk about uh, celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, did we ever! But the yeah, synopsis and, for the episode, yeah, and you know the, the 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 all the all six parts were written and directed by the same people, so it's very consistent throughout the whole show. Yeah. as you'll see. Sorry, yeah. so it's going to make it easy. It's going to make it easy when I say the synopsis for the first episode, which is when agents from the Empire pose a new threat, Obi Wan Kenobi emerges after years of hiding, and then when it comes to Obi Wan Part Two, it was basically directed and written by the same people that I did in the first episode. So I really don't have to re-say that again, but the synopsis for the second episode is, on a dangerous crime-ridden world, Obi-Wan becomes a target. So let's get into the discussion for part one, which I have to say I really appreciated getting into this show. The first four minutes is a recap of the prequels, which I thought was cool. Yeah, this was not something we saw at Celebration, but it makes sense, right? If people at Celebration, they yeah. know uh, Star Wars, they probably don't need to recap. But those who were not at Celebration, 
uh, they, they might want, if you're going into Star- Obi-Wan Kenobi, you kind of need a knowledge of the prequels. Yep. Before we dive into the specific, uh, spe- specifics of the episode, though, Stephen, I know you were unfortunately not able to make it to Celebration. What did what are you what are your first thoughts on on these episodes? So I'll say overall I greatly enjoyed them. Um kind of what I expected to see out of it and I think what I was hoping for. Um I'm happy to say that at least so far my prediction has not come true and they they actually took it in a twist that I was not expecting and I'm, I'm pretty happy to see. Um I think you know it's interesting you call you called out this is you know, written and directed by the same team throughout. And I think that definitely mm. shows the first two episodes. And it reminds me in a lot of ways, like this, I think we, at this point we know this started as a movie project, if I remember correctly. Like I think right. they've officially revealed that there was, a, there was the Boba Fett movie and the Obi-Wan movie. And I think it shows. It feels like the opening to a movie, both from production quality and just in terms of the, oh. uh, the through line through each episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. The, I will say I'm very glad. Oh, I don't know if glad is the right word. Um, we talked in the Boba Fett show about Tatooine uh, burnout. Very, very real going through that first episode. Mm-hmm. It, it looked better than it did in Boba Fett, but it's still like, ah, we're on Tatooine again. Sandy planet, sandy scenes, rocks and sand everywhere like that. It's a little, uh, I think coming off of both uh Mandalorian season two and Book of Boba Fett is a little like, yeah, if I don't ever see Tatooine again, that's probably okay. At least for a little bit. For a little bit, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of, of course for a little bit. Um the other kind of broad thing I'm curious to see is uh the Mandalorian and this is maybe I'm reaching a little bit here, but I'll I'll be curious to hear both of your feedback. <clears throat> um the Mandalorian is styled as kind of an old Western show. And it's paced as a result very, very deliberately. And in some ways, I'd say glacially. Um, Mm -hmm. The first episode, especially of Obi-Wan, has that same sort of pacing. And I just, I'm not as sure it fits there. Um, Mm, I kind of wish it was a little bit snappier, a little bit faster to get off the mark, especially when this is, what, six episodes total? And it, it felt in a lot of ways like the first episode, you know, I, I'm glad it was like a, what, 50-minute episode or 45 minutes, somewhere in there. Yeah. It feels like it could have been done in 20. <laughs> and that's not to say I didn't enjoy my time with it. I did. Yeah. But it's a very slowly paced episode, very deliberate. Um, and I was, I think I just wanted to move a little bit faster, ideally. Interesting. But yeah. that's my, I feel like I've just summarized my, for my, you know, Wombrat rating at the end. But <laughs> yeah, oh, that was my first. Okay. That's, that's fascinating, because I, I think... In my mind, and everyone has, of course, valid opinions. Um, right. The first episode to me, while yes, it took its time, really kind of gave you, at least gave me, the sense of Obi Wan's, um, kind of how he's he's all alone, right? He doesn't have anything going on. You, it, it had, I felt like very similar to shows like Breaking Bad, where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they take a lot of time, and the, you know they'll show like you know repeated scenes of obi-wan's life working uh on that giant whale-like meat farm which is a fascinating concept in the middle of the desert um yeah and you know you just got this kind of repeat scenes of him going through his day and kind of just really getting a sense of how boring obi-wan's life is and how he's really just given up everything 
and and then I think the right. second episode kind of kicks into higher gear. But like you, Tom uh, or Stephen, I, I I definitely have some Tatooine fatigue, and I'm uh, I'm glad the episode quickly leaves the planet. Yeah, yeah, I I appreciate it, and I totally agree when it came to the slowness of it. But I think it drove home that basically Obi Wan has given up. Even when the other Jedi, we'll get in all this, but we're going to jump. I, I have to do this. Even when he's confronted by one of the surviving Jedi from the temple all those years ago, you could tell he has just given up because he even tells that young young Jedi, look, take your lightsaber and go bury it in the desert. Leave it. It's over. We lost. Okay. And, and even he doubts himself later when it comes to using the force again because he has given up. And... Even when he sits here and you could tell there was like the, the thing in his face when he's talking to, to Owen later about, you know, when it comes to Luke, when he gets to a certain point, he has to be trained. You could tell it's like, well, even at that point, it seemed like it was a struggle to sit there and say he must be trained, you know. Yeah. So it, it's fascinating to see all that within the first episode. I think at this point, I do appreciate getting off of Tatooine and taking that left turn where they took it to get us off Tatooine. I thought was good. And I thought in this point in the first episode, it was good timing to take that left turn to take us off planet. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about Obi-Wan though. Steven, what, what, what did you think of, of kind of where Obi-Wan as a, as a character is at? I mean, I think you nailed it. He's pretty down in the dumps at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and this is interesting. I, I don't want to backseat direct because that, is meaningless coming from us compared to like people who actually do this for a living. <laughs> I wonder if uh, it, in some ways it might've been a little bit more effective if we'd seen him over time on Tatooine, like if he's been at this point, he's been there. What, like eight, 10 years, something like that. 10 years, 10 years had passed. Um, I, I almost wish I could have seen that slow decline into his current state because mm-hmm. it, it does come across as a little bit jarring going from, especially like, you know, the the prequel recap immediately into Meet Farman Kenobi, who, you know, does the same thing day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very clear how, uh, I don't know, how far, how far he's fallen at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even to the point where he, you know, I think as you alluded to, Tom, he refuses to help another Jedi who's begging for help. He doesn't, yeah. even, he doesn't even admit that he is a Jedi for the longest time. And then... You know, he kind of, uh, uh, in a roundabout way, admits that he is Obi Wan, and you know, tells him, "Hide, stay away, don't come back." You know, never, yeah. n- never, ever. Like the time he even says something very, um, almost, uh, almost, uh, you know, Last Jedi esque, where he says, um, uh, "I'm trying to find the the note here." Uh, basically says like the time of the Jedi is over, right? He says, yes, we've lost. And that's, it's really, you know, sad to see Obi-Wan in that st- spot. But, and yet it makes sense because he saw all the Jedi killed in order to right. six. He, he was one who went to the Jedi temple and said, sent that message to say, stay away. Um, who did realize that mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait for our, you know, our only hope, Luke and Leia, to grow old enough to be trained. Mm. And so it makes a so lot of sense, but it's heartbreaking to see. Sorry, yeah. It's also worth noting that uh, the Jedi that we see on Tatooine, that you know he refuses to help, if that Jedi had buried his 
uh, lightsaber in the desert and gone on his way. I think the episode kind of implies that he probably would have been fine. Inquisitors were basically done. Like, they were searching the town. They couldn't find him. He ran off into the desert. Uh, my take was that if the Jedi hadn't come back, he would not have been caught. Could be. I mean, but it it's funny because even they say what the Inquisitors, it's like, the Jedis have an itch. Mm-hmm. They always try to help. So it is true that, I mean, it could be true that if he stopped trying to help people, he could have survived. But it seemed like this Jedi wanted to be a Jedi. He wanted to help. And it seemed like it was going to catch up to him at some point, And it did. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, the Inquisitors are there basically to sniff out Jedi, period. Yeah. Now, I, one thing I was yep. wondering about, I want to get you both your thoughts. Were the Inquisitors there hunting Nari? Or were they trying to uh, um, ultimately find Kenobi through Nari? It was it was a little unclear. Cause like, like, Reva has this, and we should talk about the Inquisitors. Reva definitely has this desire, this drive to, to find Obi-Wan. Right. Um, but it wasn't clear if that's how they... Ended up on Tatooine my, and who they were actually after. My take was they were hunting Nari. Yep. Like the Grand Inquisitor seems to be talking about he's hunting down a story for Nari. And my read of that first scene with him and Reva is that the Inquisitor is telling Reva, like, no, you're like, we're not actually doing this. You think you're doing this. We've mm-hmm. abided by your desire to pretend you're hunting Kenobi, but we're not doing this. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's the other thing right now when it comes to uh, the third sister and her desire to find Kenobi. I got the feeling that everybody else thinks she's chasing a ghost until it gets to this point to where, yeah, it does appear that Kenobi, when, when the Grand Inquisitor finally, you know, gets involved, that, okay, maybe Kenobi is still around. But nobody really ever sees Kenobi. It's only a feeling. But I want to know why is her drive to find Kenobi? Why is why is she so hell bent mm-hmm. that he so, is still around? My guess, and this takes us back to the very beginning of the episode where we get <laughs> you know that flashback of Order sixty six. Uh-huh. I suspect Reva is somewhere in the Order sixty six sequence. Maybe not you know one of the younglings that we see that's kind of uh, attempting to escape. Right. But I suspect she was caught up in Order sixty six in the temple probably young enough that the, you know, she wasn't outright killed, but was captured instead and turned. Right. And I would not be surprised if she also saw or was other, like either saw Kenobi directly when he snuck back into the temple mm. or perhaps uh, saw the message that he left and thus blames her or bl- she blames him for her, you know, I could, I could see that. Being Bec- captured. Yeah, I could see that too. Be- because, you know, they, they even say later, I think it was in the second episode that they confirmed the inquisitors are all former Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I believe there was, you know, a, a young girl matching Reva's description in the, in the in the group of Padawans, and I could see her being, uh, you know, there. And I like that, you know, this flashback. We never find out what happens to the Padawans, and maybe that's a flashback that will continue later in the series as we learn more about Reva's character. But it was right. such a great way Wouldn't to open the, the episode. Right. Like when, I, when they, we, I we saw Coruscant, everyone's like, "Ooh!" And then the, cor- yeah. the camera pans back. And you see the younglings, and everyone just gasped in the room. They're like, oh, no, because they knew exactly but, what was going to happen. <laughs> and and the, the first thing came to my mind when I saw that, I'm like, God, not Order 66 again. It's 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 a great, very effective emotional 
sequence though. It's an emotional sequence, but I hate to say this, as bad as it is to see it again and again and again, it is the perfect starting off point because you need to know where everything started at this point, how it went from there. You couldn't you, you couldn't tell some of these stories without starting at order 66 because that's where the change happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I was so worried though when we opened up on order 66 though cuz where was the last time we saw order 66 William? Like uh, when, when was the last time we saw it referenced in oh, a Bad Star Batch? Wars television? Bad Batch? Uh no. Didn't we saw it in Book of Boba Fett, which came out after Bad Batch? Oh, you're right. We, we did see from it briefly, Grogu's yeah. perspective, and yeah. so we opened on. I was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna start with Grogu." Of course we are. Of course we are. And I was mm-hmm. like, huge sigh of relief when we didn't see him anywhere. Although we did get, and we'll we'll come back to Obi Wan and Reva, I think, in a little bit. We did get another adorable child in this in this episode. Something I was it was not on my bingo card. But I loved it. I thought it worked so well. You know, we were thinking, okay, this is going to be Obi-Wan watching over Luke. And Luke does show up basically as long as you see him in the trailer, right? There's really not more than what, uh, more Luke than in the trailer. Obi-Wan gives him that toy. um, uh, uh, Well, the the toy T-16. Yep, the toy Skyhopper. And that's from a kind of, he leaves it from afar. But we know there is another and that other is, of course, Princess Leia on Alderaan. Not expecting this whatsoever. Yep. Steven, yeah, really, I know, really. Tom, you and I have talked about this a bit, not on the show, but Steven. <laughs> yeah. Steven, go ahead. What did you think uh, of how much Princess Leia is in these two premieres? An incredibly solid choice is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't want to call her a MacGuffin, but works really well as the MacGuffin and driving force of the show. Um, While pleasing fans. Very at the unex- same time. Yeah. Yeah. I I really appreciated that we brought back, uh, what's, uh, is it Jimmy Smith's? I'm trying to remember yep, the uh, Bail Organic Doctor. Yep. Um, adds to it. I love seeing Alderaan for the, basically for the first time. I mean, I think we see it at the beginning of, or at the very end of episode three, but like, we don't spend time there. Um, and well, I think it does go. Uh, it goes a long way towards making no there is another feel a little bit more meaningful than we actually got it in you know episode five, where it you know Leia is almost the I don't know, a second choice if that makes sense like an afterthought is maybe the better word and having her show up here having you know Obi Wan become involved uh, having you know Bail call out how important she is goes a long way towards. Make him like, no, the Jedi do still have, t- they have two bow uh, arrows to their string, bows to whatever, whatever the phrase is. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, just a fantastic choice all around. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Vivian Lyra Blair, who plays Leia, you know, 10 year old Leia, is, she does a, a phenomenal job. She strikes that right balance of not being annoying, but also being, uh, you know, kind of a kid who you can see becoming. Leia, right? She she loves the different ships. She she's not really into politics yet, but you know, Bale talks about how that's why she's going to be a great senator one day. She kind of has uh, that that Leia spunk and, and many traits from Padme as well. Which I get that moment where Obi Wan talks about how 
talks about tells her about Padme. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, it's so it's yeah. so good. I, I I just I can't say enough good things about her. Uh, and she kind of adds that you know uh, Grogu style adorableness to the show as well, and gives us a nice change from the the sand on Tatooine. Because mm-hmm. I think as you were saying, Stephen, we've we've hardly seen Alderaan. We saw it at the end of episode three, and we were like, "Wow, that's a beautiful planet. I'd love to see more." And then we well, have never gotten to see more. And how else would they t- tell Princess Leia's story, right? They, they can't really do a whole dedicated series on her. But kidnapping Princess Leia is the perfect MacGuffin for Obi Wan's for Obi Wan to leave Tatooine. There's no other reason he would leave Tatooine. Right. Unless it was Princess Leia being in danger. Because, sure, Luke could be in danger and he could have to leave the planet to go help Luke. But that still puts a target on Tatooine and Luke being there. And what you really have to do is completely take the focus away from Tatooine and say, oh, Princess Leia was kidnapped because she's just the daughter of a close friend of Obi-Wan. You know? mm-hmm. It's it's perfect because it doesn't actually put the target on her as being the child of Anakin and Padme. So I, I loved right. everything about it. Everything about it. Well, what I appreciated when you had um, Bail Organa show up at Obi-Wan's residence and basically try and say, look, you know, I know you're sitting here protecting Luke, but I mean, come on. Technically, she's the other part of the story. And where's your responsibility to her as well? Mm-hmm. And and you're the only one I trust to go after her. So to put a bounty hunter to try and follow her. No, I don't trust that. You're the only one that can do it. And when it comes to Alderaan, I really hate to say this. Remember, we did see bits and pieces of Alderaan in New Hope. So, I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> it doesn't count, Tom. That's I'm sorry. really bad, Tom. I have been you sitting just, on that. That was, uh, one might say, so a rocky wrong. connection. Oh, my God. That was so bad. But I, I, when it comes to the actress who played um, Leia, the best thing about her is she had this sass mm-hmm. about her. And I think another thing about it was she she wasn't and i'm not saying this in a negative way but there can be some young actors actresses out there who can be a little bit i'm going to say overbearing in some parts and this young lady was able to not go that far but go just enough and know when to pull it back mm-hmm. and it's amazing to see her play against ewan mcgregor and all these adults and basically as this She's 10 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 year old. Hold hold up, especially when she went after her cousin. Oh, so oh good. my God. <laughs> that scene was so well acted from her. You're not sitting here looking at this going, it was how she read that and presented that was like, it was natural. It's not like she was reading lines. It was so natural and so cutting and just so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the one thing I really appreciated when they called the whole cast out on stage when it was over and she came out just by herself and that big sigh that they showed on camera, it was amazing. I was like that, that little girl just really caught my attention. I just, she was so Leah Ogana at that age. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I just loved all the scenes on Alderaan. She kind of stole the the show in, in many ways. Um, and yeah, and I just love how it adds that other dynamic, gives Obi-Wan a good excuse to go leave the planet, go on some adventure, shows us a young Leia that we probably wouldn't have gotten to see otherwise. 
uh, right? Because it'd be hard to probably center a whole show around her. Um, oh, yeah. But including her as in this show as part of this era is just a stroke of genius, I think, that really yeah. you know, also also helps give some levity to the this really dark time. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. So, so good. And, and, you know, even though she's, you know, she is kidnapped by, um, uh, uh, by Necht, um, who is working for Inquisitor Riva. Um, and that kind of, again, starts off that Obi-Wan on his journey when Bale finally comes and tells him, you're the only one who can do this. And, and I, th- can I, th- th- sorry to interrupt, but I, th- the thing that I found fascinating was the connection that third sister had to like, okay, let's research this. The last time we technically saw Obi-Wan is somehow he's connected to these kids. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating that or some, he was connected to, to, I'm sorry, he's connected to Bail Organa. So why don't we do this? Let's kidnap a senator's daughter, which she got scolded by the Inquisitor for doing that to begin with. But the logic was there. If she really wanted Obi-Wan, that was the only way for her to make it. Well, okay. I I actually disagree. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I don't don't think uh, Bail Organa was like a famous friend of Obi-Wan Kenobi. They knew each other, but I don't think they were ever seen, you know, together, especially not uh, after Order 66, like... I don't even well, have, I'm trying to give it like a, a good example. I don't think she even said after 66. Yeah, I don't think she even mentioned No, I know, but my point is, uh, yeah. Riva is fishing, and she's fishing deep. Like, mm-hmm. let me just find the list of people that Obi-Wan Kenobi happens to know. Oh, right. Bale happens, like, there are so many people he would have run into as, you know, a Jedi Master on the Council. Right. I have very much read that entire sequence as like he's fishing and fishing very, very hard. Or sorry, Reeve is fishing and fishing very, very hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's I think that's a great point. You know, he he definitely had a relationship with Bail Organa and a friendship. Yeah. We see how much of that is public, I don't know. Um, but she's probably realizing, well, Obi-Wan and they at the top of the episode, they do such a great job, the Inquisitors do, of kind of uh analyzing the Jedi and how they can't help what they are and how their compassion leaves a trail they will they will use and I think he figures hey we'll just we'll go to you know any uh, if, if there's any connection that can pull on that Jedi's heartstrings and get him to come out let's try it and who knows how many mm-hmm. other people they've tried to kidnap or threaten yep. that Obi-Wan never heard about right right all right I, I need to go back though because you we were talking about the chase scene where Leia is captured. Uh, I will say that was by far, I think, the the worst part of the episode for me. It was a comically bad chase scene. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. There's, okay. It's a shot for shot of a chase going on way too long as like these two full grown adults who are going to be much faster than a 10 year old, like comically fail to catch Leia as she's running through the forest. And especially like, the one that ran into the tree branch. I have to give you that one. Yep. No, there were there were yeah. quite a few where it was like like she would like take a step up a small hill and there's plenty of room for them to walk up the hill and you can see them like, what do we do? How do we follow yeah. her? And it was just it was a little overdone and I think would have been better served by not doing that. 
I didn't mind it overall, but you, you are right. Yeah, I think in 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 hindsight, um, that's that's certainly for sure. I also I, I we have to be remiss we didn't mention Lola as well. Leia's adorable little beetle droid, I guess. Um, that of course Hasbro immediately announced a, a toy version of. Um, and I think the combination of Layla, Leia and Lola was uh, a great combination for the the cuteness factor at least i know my wife just was like oh my gosh i love them <laughs> got her instantly invested in the episodes so i mean there's definitely a, a pattern here for i would say star wars television especially which is mm-hmm. you have you you have your grizzled main character you have some adorable sidekick type character and mm. the marketing opportunity in a droid and or, you know, could be the, the adorable side character or not like the adorable character, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it right. is held true for every single show. It has. Yeah. It really has. Um, and I have to say, it's a, as long as they can keep the dynamic feeling different and fresh, yeah. you know, like Mando and Grogu or uh, Obi-Wan and Leia, they don't feel identical i know there were reports hunter and uh hunter and omega, omega. i know there were reports yeah. that originally they were worried that the obi-wan dy- the dynamic in the o- kenobi show was too similar to the mandalorian so i don't know how they reworked it to to make it less mm-hmm. so but i think they did a good job yeah well speaking of droids did you guys catch the cameo of a droid that in reality i'm surprised never had one word but was very integral to the star wars franchise C3PO. No, he definitely background. had a word. Did he not? Well, I think he did in the background. I don't. I could. In the okay, I but in the background, a, he's in the background. I, I could have sworn I heard Anthony Daniels delivering a no, but, classic three PO line. But but the way that I the way that I'm kind of presenting this as, you never saw him at the beside Leia. You never saw him actually working with True. Bail Organa. I don't think he needed. He to, was though. just. I think it was yeah, just a which, nice acknowledgement that yep, three PO is there. He's with the Organas. Yeah, and. And, and I got to say this, I thought that was refreshing mm-hmm. because that way it wasn't 3PO overshadowing the actual story because it's great to see the character, but this story is revolving around Bale, Leia, and yeah. Obi-Wan. That Anthony Daniels C-3PO didn't need to be part of this show. He could show up because we know he's there. You know, And the other thing was we never saw R2. No, but that makes sense, right? I think that makes totally agree with that. that. I I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's most of part one. But and and actually, one thing that's interesting to note is these episodes don't have titles. They are just part one, part two, uh, and the even the credits are more traditional um, Star Wars. The blue on blue text on a on the uh, star field rather than a um, like the, the concept art credits like we see in the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett. So it, it really feels like they tried to make this just a giant movie split up into six pieces and the six parts, yeah. uh, you know, all as we talked about at the beginning, all yeah. written and directed by the same people. It really is just a right. giant movie. Um, and I think that's going to uh, help the series. We... Yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Now, I was no, saying, go before ahead, we move to part two, I was going to say, I also really appreciated the dialogue and scenes between uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Owen as well. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. About the dialogue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank the you for bringing that part and up. The dialogue and the, uh, I don't know, needling between the two of them was very, very good. And I yeah. really appreciated, uh, I don't know, we're starting to see some of Owen's no-nonsense kind of attitude come through. 
which, you know, obviously fits him very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's very yeah. protective of of Luke. He doesn't want him to be trained. He he yeah. has mm-hmm. some pretty uh, harsh things to say to <laughs> Obi-Wan. Understandably uh, uh, so. You know, I, uh, honest, I you. And, you know, and true in many I, ways, but... yeah. I don't know how much more we're going to see of Owen, but I think one of the things I, I'm appreciating is uh, at the end of episode three, you can, and Owen even references this a little bit. He hands off Luke to Owen with, you know, I want you to raise the, the kid, all, and then when the time is right, I'm going to train him to be a Jedi. And it feels much more like a, uh, a deep cover operation, if that makes sense, than an adoption. And I really appreciate, like, Owen is very clearly kind of a jerk, but he also very yeah. clearly cares about Luke as well. Mm-hmm. And that is shines through in every moment where like he is ready to like put his life on line and, in and, order to make that make yeah. the case. Basically does right. That moment where Riva is interrogating him. He, you know, she was just, he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, she randomly picked him out of a crowd and starts interrogating him. And he, he, I think there's a good chance he could have died had the fifth brother not stepped in and stopped her, as the Inquisitors have done multiple times in these two episodes, stopping Reva's more aggressive tendencies, um, either from whether it's killing Nari or, um, uh, or or stop, you know, uh, reprimanding her when she chops off the hand of a villager. Right? Um, mm-hmm. He he almost died. He could have died. But he didn't give up Obi Wan. He didn't give up Nari. I don't mean. I don't know if he actually knew about Nari technically. Um, didn't give up Obi Wan. He could have given up Obi Wan to save his family, but he's he didn't. Um, maybe that's because he was worried that Luke's identity might get revealed if he gave up Obi Wan. But um, you know, he he doesn't necessarily have any love for Obi Wan and the Jedi, but he cares about Luke and and still an honorable guy ultimately. Oh yeah. Yeah, he did everything just to protect Luke, and I think he even said that to to Obi Wan in so many words. It's like I am there to protect Luke. Yeah, you know. Yep. So, part two: Obi Wan gets on a transport and heads to the planet Daiyu. It's a really cool city. Kind of looks like Hong Kong. I think they they've, they've made that analogy on the press tour. Um, and we find out that this planet has, there's no signals that can get in and out. The, the locals like their privacy. And so all transmissions off planet are, are blocked. And uh, I don't know. What did you guys think of this, this city and the, just the visual aesthetics? It's a nice change from Tatooine for sure. It's a nice change. I thought they did a really good job of also distinguishing it from just, you know, a, another Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it definitely feels like it has its own identity and feel to it, which is, Awesome. Like I said, like it like I said, going from getting off of Tatooine, you're automatically already to be. And having Dayu have its own kind of unique feel, different from Coruscant, still kind of this kind of cool cityscape, even better mm-hmm. A plus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The atmosphere was great. And as he arrived, it was a small little note, but I loved his little comment uh under his breath, Obi Wan's comment where he says, If I ever needed a guidance master it is now kind of referencing Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. And we see in the first episode, actually, that Obi-Wan's having nightmares of Anakin and Padme and everything that happened. And he's, um, 
uh, and he's he kind of wakes up and, and says Qui-Gon's name and doesn't hear anything. I took that as he still quite he has still has not learned how to commune with Qui-Gon 10 years later. Is, is that how you guys read it? Yes. I so, um, yeah, that's one of those places where I like it's a it's a little I don't know if disappointing is the right word. Um, I kind of a it feels like we're delaying his development from episode three to now. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's 10 years where Yoda's told him he should learn how to do this thing and he's just kind of ignored it or not been successful. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I suspect we're going to see Qui-Gon sometime during this as the kind of culmination of that arc. And there, there was a second there in which I thought when he woke up from that dream that he would see Qui-Gon or at least hear him, not so much the forest ghost. Yes. But I do, I do appreciate it wasn't a Qui-Gon, uh, callback. But when he's walking through the city and he makes another comment, it's like, boy, if I needed some guidance, I need something now or something. And then you see that clone trooper with the helmet basically asking for, you know, scraps or, you know, help an old veteran or something like that. You're like, oh, I, I, it was almost like a mouth drop. Is that Rex or just a standard, storm, uh, you know, old clone trooper? That was that was a cool little moment just to see Tamara Morrison yeah. as a old grizzled homeless clone trooper. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I like, I, you know, I think ultimately it's probably just a random clone from the 501st. Yeah. And and that's a fascinating thing. OK, so now we're 10 years after Order 66. How could that clone not sense or whatever the programming know that there was a Jedi in front of him? I mean, I think he doesn't know. I mean, that's right? that, he, he probably doesn't yeah. know who Obi-Wan is. It's not like they have. But instantly but i think that he'd have to know he's a jedi of some sort before the programming right. could kick in interesting that's how interesting. i read it at least okay you know? yeah i mean i assume they don't have jedi detectors because that would have made the inquisitor's job very different no that is very true you have you do have a point on that one true yeah well we will find out i guess because we'll talk about that other one later so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're hinting, but we'll talk about that one later. Um, anyway. Well, so yeah, that whole city, that it, whole it city was, was just, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Obi-Wan eventually follows some leads and, and winds up at the office, because office of Haja Estri, um, a, a Jedi who is helping a, a mother, a young mother and her, 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 her child, escape okay the planet okay so the question that not the question but, uh-huh. but the word jedi was a little bit of a stretch <laughs> okay, which, i was gonna i was actually, gonna get there yeah <laughs> yeah which, which actually i have to say didn't i say when we were watching the trailer for this it appears that guy was a jedi well it was mostly right i loved i loved this whole he scene. did appear to be a jedi tom i don't know what you mean that's why i said <laughs> everything I was about his mostly. appearance i said implies jedi I, was, I said mostly I was watching right. it and I was like, okay, this guy is either a really bad actor or he's not a Jedi. And as I kept watching the scene, I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely not a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just a yeah, 30 but, second, but, 30, the first, like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds were like, oh, this is, you know, like, he's a good actor, but he's not doing a very good job. Of the, oh, right. wait, I got you. Well, <laughs> there okay, we but, go. But, but you guys have to admit, it was done very well to where it wasn't comical and over the top it it 
kind of push that limit a bit, but you weren't laughing like, oh my God, this is like the most scurry thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. Right. No, yeah. it, was, it was well done. And I loved how it he's using, you know, mag- uh, uh, magnets and remotes and things to pretend like he's using the force. But he's just a con. Yeah. That's all he is. Yeah, yeah that's all I, he was. I loved how Obi-Wan just dressed him down and like took away all of his stuff. And he just, oh, it was so good. I don't know. Oh, it was Ste- great. Ste- Steven, what were your thoughts on this? Exactly the same. Just fantastic to see Obi-Wan start to get a little bit of that fire back in him, you know, and just. I don't know. It just, it worked pretty well. Yeah. And you could see him really looking down on this guy who's, one, taking advantage of the people for for money, uh, for credits, uh, and two, pretending to be a Jedi. And ultimately, you know, Haja does redeem himself by helping Obi-Wan and giving him safe passage off planet um, mm-hmm. uh, for free, uh, I might add. Um, but, you know, at first you don't really know, like, is he is he going to help Obi-Wan? Is he not? Uh, Obi-Wan kind of has to force him at first. And actually, I thought maybe he was going to go after Obi-Wan and, and try to take him down at first. And, and I thought he so doesn't. too. He doesn't. He, he helps him out. Yeah. One thing I loved, though, and I did not notice this while I watched the episode, but when I, for the first time, but when I went back and I was looking at the credits and who's in the credits and um, and the uh, kind of rewatching the episode with subtitles and audio descriptions on, the young mother and son that Haja uh, quote unquote helps um, are are headed. They need safe passage to Corellia, and it's implied, strongly implied, that the the um, the child is force sensitive, and he, you know, because Haja says something about needing to help uh, fellow people. I don't remember the exact word, but something like that. So people help help people like him uh, in the credits. The mother's name is Naichi, and the son's name is Corin. Yeah, Corellian, Corellian, Corin. Well, well, hold on. Well, Corin Horn is from Corellia. His mother's name is Naichi, and he is, of course, force sensitive. And so, there is no one this could be other than Corin Horn. And actually, some other outlets um, explicitly called him Corin Horn as well. I believe it was probably given out in press materials. And so, yeah, like Corin Horn has made his first on-screen appearance. How awesome is that? Ah, uh, that is yeah, just. I'm, I am. I'm Go ahead. excited, and I. I mean, this is this is we're gonna change gears here. Now we're gonna talk. This is the rest of the focus of the episode, right? Yeah. Like we're just gonna talk about Corin Horn. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Just yeah. Making sure. <laughs> hey, um, I did. I read so that what book. Is, read that book. Uh, what would you say Cornhorn is most famous for, Tom? Uh, the Corellian like, Jedi, uh, I think, with the lightsaber that can be extended and he can. Uh, you're, he can... you're a little too far into his future. Before that, oh, I'm sorry. I'm he, sorry. I, he was I, a member I, of a prestigious organization. Oh, was it Young Jedi? May or Knights? may not have. Oh my God. Okay. William. I'm all over the place. William, why don't you answer this question? It appears he was a member of a prestigious organization. He uh, joined the rebellion after leaving Corellia. Oh, oh, oh. I know the answer. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. I know the answer finally. He was part of Rogue Squadron. He was indeed. Which is, you know, a movie that is coming down the line and was in pre production about the same time as this show, was it not? I love that connection. Mm. Steven, I had not made it, and I love it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for reminding I, me, because I I reread 
oh god what book did i just reread uh i reread one of the the x-wing books and you thank you for reminding me cornhorn was part of that before he became the jedi that is true i mean i'd say that was where he started was mm-hmm. in rogue squadron and yeah. i this is if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to get out my board with my, all my little red tape, not red tape, my like red string <laughs> and connecting all the dots. Um, I, I was worried when we first heard Rogue Squadron was coming because I didn't think they were going to do justice to the books as my favorite, some of my favorite novels of all time, even um, certainly one of my, some of my favorite Star Wars novels. Um, introducing Corn here gives me a little bit of hope because that would be a he's a natural character to put into that place. Um Age is about right. Timing's about right. Like that puts him at about, you know, mm-hmm. what, 20 to 30 by the time we get to the uh, like post Return of the Jedi era, which I assume is where Rogue Squadron is going to be set, but I don't actually know. Um, it also puts him about near the right age to join Luke's Academy in the Mandalorian era as well. Mm-hmm. If they were to choose to go that route. Mm-hmm. And if we were ever to get, I don't know, an Avengers type uh, series of connections where everything leads to a single place, I can see it being a Jedi Academy type series where individual characters that we've seen pop up in, I don't know, Bad Batch and Kenobi and uh, I guess not Mandalorian, but then so on, all eventually filtering in to the Academy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not the craziest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I could I could see yeah. it, and I, I really get the sense that the the more the Disney Plus era of Star Wars has really been very well thought out and, and yes. planned out, uh, which wasn't the case, you know, in the earlier uh, Disney era. Um, but the I and I that I think that they are doing a great job of starting to lay the ground, and maybe maybe this is nothing, maybe this Cornhorn reference is nothing. You know, but that's gonna make me very sad if that's the case. But why? Fine, I accept we, that it's we can hope. We can hope it's something. We can hope it's something. I exactly, exactly, and yeah. I, I think it's this is this is obviously a deep cut for Star Wars fans, right? You have to be looking at the credits and making the connection. But it is awesome. I love that they're bringing back such a major Legends character into the Star Wars, and hopefully in a much bigger way in the future as well. And, and that's the one thing I'm always going to go back to that one panel I went to with Pablo Hildago saying that when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they bought it for all the characters. And they had he had that all Legends universe behind him. So I think somebody has finally sat here and said, look, we have all these characters. This is why we did this. We'll start bringing them in. Maybe we'll start reworking them a bit. But let's start using these characters and not so much for fan service. But they're there. Let's use them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the episode ends, right? Like Cornhorn was just an amazing climax for the episode. (laughs) I really look forward to seeing how uh, he develops throughout the rest of the Obi Wan show. No, there's there's a lot more. So, of course, um, Obi Wan is still on the hunt for uh, Leia. Finding her was not that hard because Haja was able to kind of point her to, oh, well, you're probably going to want to go look in a spice den. And Obi-Wan steals a uniform and sneaks into the spice den and goes a little bit Breaking Bad, I think, uh, you know, with the, the style of the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Uh, breaking Jedi, maybe. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, of course, it's a it's a trap, as I think we uh, we all knew. Uh, it's a trap from by Vect to just... Uh, to to get Obi Wan there, and they almost have him, but he 
manages to kind of explode that container of spice and basically make all of the the mercenaries high. I, I've got to say, it's a pretty bold assumption on the part of Reven Vect that like these handful of mercenaries are going to be the ones that take down the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, they but almost she had to had try him. something. They should yeah. have just stunned him immediately, but they made the mistake of trying to talk as all they, bad yeah, villains just, do. Yeah. They monologued. Yes. yes. Never monologue. Never monologue. And, uh, uh, and it, it did not turn out well. Um, but I don't know. I guess he, he quickly finds Leia. And again, Leia is adorable as ever. And that leads to a pretty much a chase throughout the the city. At first, you know, all the bounty hunters in a very, you know, Mandalorian style or, or even John Wick style, right? All the, the, all the bounty hunters get... Uh, obi-wan's name and 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 photo and they all start activating going after him Mm -hmm. yeah all their fobs went off yeah which leads that that i'm sorry it it didn't mean to interrupt but that was one thing that ended up kind of being a downfall for reva because the inquisitor really didn't want to make a big deal out of it he wanted to actually hunt obi-wan himself Mm -hmm. but because he sat there and got a hold of the guys who kidnapped leia and it's like spread this far and wide that really ticked off the Grand Inquisitor because now everybody was involved. So it really, really was not the hunt that the Inquisitor wanted, but Reva used it to her advantage because she wanted to basically corner Obi-Wan. Yeah. And, and actually, let's let's talk about that now real quick, the, the, the dynamic between the Grand Inquisitor and Reva and kind of how it all ends. And we'll talk a little bit more about the chase sequence uh, in a moment. But since we're on the topic... You know, we see multiple times throughout these two episodes, Reva is aggressive and she she almost tries to kill Nari and the Grand Inquisitor stops her lightsaber with the force and stops her from killing him. Um, you know, later we see the fifth brother stop her from you know, cutting off people's hands. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor stops her and basically like sidelines her on Dayu and says, no, you're not going to be hunting Obi-Wan. And then she ignores it anyway and puts out the bounty on him. Um and it all culminates with her, you know, hunting Obi-Wan at the cargo port and almost having him cornered. Mm-hmm. And then the Grand Inquisitor arrives and just flat out stops her. And, and I don't know if he knew Obi-Wan was that close or if he didn't care, but he seemed to care more about stopping Reva and their rivalry mm-hmm. than actually catching Obi-Wan. I mean, he even says at one point earlier in the episode, like, you are nothing. You might be one of us, but you are not. Um, you are not like us. You're different. Yeah, it's almost like he called her a street rat because he found her in the gutter. Yeah, and I'm very. And he basically says, you are no longer required and dismisses her. I'm very curious to learn more about this rivalry. Well, okay, so here comes the, here comes the big question. And I think William Ewan and I may have discussed this. When he dismisses her, she basically puts a lightsaber through him. Oh, I basically, think, she does. <laughs> oh no! Well, okay, okay. I'm okay. I was being nice. Okay, it was straight in the gut. She basically just lightsabered the guy. I think he's gone. I don't think he's coming back from this. But how? He's in rebels. Yeah. Unless okay, but, it, okay, but wait, but you could argue but, it's a different Grand Inquisitor, but like, and who's also a I can't, I can't see it. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
having the same okay, but, species but, but different Grand Inquisitor just doesn't feel likely to me. Okay, and and I I agree with that, but I'm taking it from the perspective of this. Sure, people were sitting there saying, okay, he doesn't look at the one from the Rebels, blah, 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 makeup, you can't translate from animation to this to that. Maybe, and I'm not saying they did this for that reason, okay? Maybe that that species somehow, there were two of them that come from that species. And maybe the next one that comes out will more match what was in Rebels to this. And it's it was, possible, I'm not saying that it was planned feels... that way. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it was planned that way. But I'm just saying... It, the way the Star Wars universe goes, right now at this point, anything is possible. Go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I just I I don't think you're wrong. But if they wanted a Grand Inquisitor that like so, if they wanted a Grand Inquisitor to kill for shock factor to make to build Riva up, right? I don't know why you wouldn't just pick a different one, mm -hmm. like a, a any different. Well, character. we'll pick like the fifth I brother suppose... or another sister. Yeah. Well, no, what I mean, sorry. I mean, like, if you wanted a different Grand Inquisitor, why pick another Palin? Uh huh. Like, I suppose you could you create this exactly this discussion we're having. We're like, oh, it can't be, like, because how are there two Palins? But it just it feels confusing to me. Okay. Is I think the top more likely I'd see this as uh, I don't know. We've I feel like we, it's more legends than in um. Mo you know, most modern camp. Like we've seen cases before where like Jedi masters will, you know, allow their students to strike at them to help teach them a lesson. And I wonder mm -hmm. if that's what we're seeing here. You know, the Grand Inquisitor is trying to teach Reva something and, you know, perhaps, you know, how to harness her anger in a more productive manner. And thus by, you know, harming the Grand, In or seeming to kill the Grand Inquisitor, he's going to try and teach her something or the usefulness mm -hmm. of working as a team or I don't know. Well, then do you think he's going to go to the modifiers on Tatooine and get, you know, his gut replaced like Finnick Shan? Oh, sorry, I had to throw that out there. I mean, you never know, but yeah, it's true where the vital organs are inside of uh, our dear friend, the Grand Inquisitor. Good point. Good point. Yes, I, I'm very curious to see what happens. I like you. I suspect the Grand Inquisitor is not dead. Um, I think he will come back. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a replacement. Uh, you know, an, an identical one, uh, someone who looks the same but is in fact different. Hello, I am the Grand Inquisitor's brother. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or a clone of the Grand Inquisitor, or whatever I, it is. I, I'm sorry. I am the Grand Inquisitor who happens to be your uncle's brother's nephew to the third right, of whatever. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Sorry, I, William. I do hate this. I. Clone isn't the worst possible idea, given that we know Palpatine's experimenting with cloning of himself. Yeah. So, so actually, so, that was like that's possible. That was an idea posed by a friend of the show, Matt Rushing, um, who of course we've had on the mm -hmm. podcast before. I I don't know if I I don't know if I buy it, right? Because like they they pretty definitively state that the Inquisitors are former Jedi, and we haven't seen any other duplicates yet now yes they have it is interesting also that the inquisitors have different names like you know third sister seventh sister fifth brother uh it was we saw in, in even in, in rebels and in uh, jedi fallen order um but i don't know i don't i think we just get a name for reva because she's a bigger character and they didn't just want to keep calling her the third sister 
over and over and over. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more to that. Maybe it means something bigger than it is. I don't know. But well, maybe it's because that she maybe it's because of her background and because maybe it's it, it's an honor thing to where if you've elevated yourself up to become an inquisitor, you get that title of third sister, fifth brother or whatever. And because she's technically is an inquisitor, but she hasn't gotten to that level yet, mm-hmm. this is more of a insult to call her by that name instead of calling her like a prestige of a sister. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be. Yeah, yeah I like that theory. So I don't know. I guess yeah. we'll, we'll see. I'm very curious to see how her character develops and how the Grand Inquisitor returns in this show. It, again, like you said, Steve, it's a bit odd that they're like, hey, let's introduce this, you know, this character who's pre-existing in other uh, another television series and seemingly kill him off right away just for the shock value. Right. But we'll see what they we'll, we'll see what they do with it. We'll see. It may not be the end of the world. I don't think though that they're. I don't think there's any world in which they overwrite rebels. Um, because no, rebels I, I don't think so. And the Clone Wars are treated as, you know, like. They they were from the clones is from Dave, from George Lucas and Dave Filoni Rebels is from Dave Filoni. He's of course heavily involved in all of the live action series now. I cannot see them overriding anything. I think the shows, the books, of course, the comics, of course, but the, yeah. the shows, whether they're animated or live action, I think are set in stone and considered definitive canon. And I can't see them overriding that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the chase. So they, 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 they are, they're on the run from the bounty hunters and of course, Reva as well. And then Leia notices that all the, all the, uh, all the bounty hunters are after Obi-Wan, not her. And that makes her start to doubt Obi-Wan. We get this really cute scene where she's like, oh, are you a Jedi? But, you know, lift me with the Force. I want to see you lift me with the Force in order to prove you're a Jedi. Of course, I can't do that. Right? Yeah. Um, And she starts running away from Obi-Wan because now she thinks that maybe he's the kidnapper. Uh, And, you know, she's kind of smart to be be cautious, but unintentionally makes the situation exponentially worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that was one thing I appreciate is watching her act that scene, especially where she's like in the middle of a town going, float me, float me, like doing that little circle saying, float me. It's like that that was so cute, but it wasn't one of those things like, oh, my God, it was that's where priorities. this actress shined. Go ahead. No, just that, that priorities escape yeah. from the bounty hunters first. Yeah. Force lifts from Uncle Kenobi later. Maybe. Right. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe the bounty hunters were sent by her father to rescue her. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Um, but of course, you know, she eventually tries to jump off across a building and does not make it. And Obi-Wan is forced to use the uh, the force to to save her. And I think that's something we all knew would happen at some point. Right. Like he, it's like, okay, he's he's going to have to use the force to save her. Um, but but it was, you it was mentioned nice something but you mentioned something right there. He, you could really tell that he was so disconnected from the forest for that long Mm -hmm. because he was basically really forcing himself to use the forest and struggling Mm -hmm. to recall it and be able to catch her. 
Yeah, I think it's two, two, there's two aspects to that. What, one, what you, exactly what you said, right? He, it's been so long, he's maybe a bit rusty and, and not, not right. used to it. And two, I think it, he had to be forced, again, pardon the pun, to use his powers because right. he doesn't want to. He wants to stay hidden. He wants to hide his lightsabers and bury them in the Jundland wastes and, and, you know, um, not use the force anymore so he can't be found. And sure, he goes and gets his lightsaber from the Jundland wastes, but he, they showed incredible restraint by never having him actually activate his lightsabers in yeah. these episodes, right? He uses a blaster. He's on the run. He never once turns on his lightsaber. And I think that's part of the same hesitancy on Obi-Wan's part to use yeah. anything related to a Jedi, whether it's the Force or a lightsaber. And he has to use the Force to save Leia from dying. But... Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I want to bring up something that, that that's like almost a, a juxtaposition to her when you... I'm going to go to Kanan Jarrus on this one because when when Kanan got into a situation and he's sitting there with Ezra the first time he gets into a firefight and he looks at – and Kanan looks at Ezra and goes, you know what, kid? There's something or whatever he says and pulls out his lightsaber and there's this heroic Jedi. And William, you you pointed out, here's Obi-Wan with that lightsaber in his hands. You know, Reva's on the other side of these crates. And you're like, is he going to do the same thing like Kanan did where he's going to pull out the lightsaber and just have the little kid sit there heroically watch – Obi-Wan come to her defense, but you could tell it was a struggle with Obi-Wan going, do I need to do this or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for the Inquisitor to show up at the right moment to prevent him from pulling out the lightsaber. Yeah. And he, he almost had to, but he didn't. And yeah, uh, I suspect he'll continue to avoid using the lightsaber as much as possible. And, yeah, and I agree I, with I that. I applaud the show on that right that's that's hard you know it's a very easy thing to do to use iconic but they are saving it and i think it is the right decision for sure oh yeah yeah Yeah, that part i totally agree with both of these episodes i think point to how amazing it is to have ewan mcgregor back as kenobi Mm -hmm. and it's and i i've certainly enjoyed all of the star wars television we've gotten thus far but there is something to I don't know, bringing back someone with the acting ability that he has that just brings a certain amount of gravitas to the entire role that just it oozes out of every every moment. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. I think one of the best scenes with him was was at the end during that battle with Reva before she kills the Grand Inquisitor when she starts taunting him and reveals that his former apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, now Darth Vader has been hunting Obi-Wan for all this time, looking for Obi-Wan. And you can see how shattered he is when he realizes that Anakin didn't die on Mustafar, that he's alive and that he's been hunting Obi-Wan. And you can just see that emotion on his face. And it is so well done. So Mm. perfectly acted. And like the, the kind of the combination of the horror and the sadness again, all rushing to the surface. It's just so so phenomenally mm-hmm. acted. Yeah. And yeah, then of course, and that really helps when I was going to say, and that really helps when you saw that four minute recap at the beginning. Yeah. And then, yes, I know this is the second episode. Well, no, they ran them both together. Sorry. But that really helped when you saw that four minute recap at the beginning. And then you see the pain on Obi-Wan's face at the end, realizing that his former Padawan friend is still alive. Yeah. 
Yep. yep. And then the cut. To yeah. Oh, to Darth Vader in a back to tank. What did you guys think of this? It was I mean, probably we knew the it only was coming. End, so yeah. right. And it was probably the only way to end the show. I, I agree. Boom, done. Yeah, I think for it, to me that moment, I kind of expected we would see Darth. I knew we knew we'd see Darth Vader. I expected right. we would see him in some sort of, you know, um, mask off healing state because we've seen it in Empire, we've seen it in Rogue One, we've seen it in these other situations, and so it makes sense to show you know, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker in a back to tank right after revealing that, you know, he's alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I love the moment. I thought it was a great way to end. Yeah. Especially with Vader's breathing, right? It's just such a, it's a phenomenal way to go to kind of end these, this this two part premiere. Yeah. And kick off. I think this just, it again goes back to, there's a single creative team working through this and, we're effectively watching what, like a six hour movie. And this is yeah. the end of act. We've established the stakes. We've established the characters and it's time to bring in, you know, the, the penultimate or the ultimate, uh, villain who's going to be involved here. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And what's interesting is, you know, they have established that they, in, in this show that they will have, that they have flashbacks, right? We see Obi-Wan's dreams. We see the, seen early on in the Jedi temple. And so I'll be very interested to see, do we see more of those younglings? Do we see flashbacks of Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, before order 66? Hmm. Um, Cause you know, with, with Hayden Christensen playing Darth Vader, sure. He can take off the helmet and they could put a bunch of makeup on him and make him look like Darth Vader in a back to tank, but, or they can put a, the, you know, the suit on him and he can walk around as Darth Vader. But will he see him as Anakin as well? I suspect we might. I I would imagine so. I really do because what what are the way to have flashbacks if you have Hayden Christian and Ewan McGregor together? Have them be master and apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm also expecting we may see. Uh, I almost want to call them ghost versions of mm. Anakin as well. Or uh, visions that haunt Obi-Wan, nightmares, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's only a matter of time before Qui-Gon shows up in the show as well. Yeah, and I, I for me, I think 100%. that's going to be closer toward the end. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's one of like the Given hopeful... Given where we are... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe it's the hopeful thing at the end. But given where we are... Your, your thoughts there? I was going to say, like... So the the first two episodes very clearly establish Obi-Wan is no longer in his prime. He is right. defeated both uh, emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be... Um, the show is going to be about Obi-Wan dealing with everything that's happened and arriving back in a state where he starts to learn what it is to be a Jedi again. Especially in this new state where there's not the Order, there's not the Temple. Um and what does that mean? And I think the reward for this character growth he will undergo is talking to and seeing Qui-Gon. I think you're right. I think maybe he's not ready yet for some for whatever reason. And that's why Qui-Gon hasn't appeared to him or he hasn't learned how to talk with Qui-Gon. Is he's, there's some lesson I think he needs to learn over these six mm-hmm. episodes that he will learn. But, you know, that needs to happen before he can uh 
commune well, with Qui-Gon. You, you can look at it this way. He's lost all his confidence, and maybe within these episodes, that's where he's getting his confidence back as being a Jedi. And that's why that's why he never connected with Qui-Gon, because Qui-Gon's like, you know, you were this once powerful Jedi. You have lost your confidence in yourself. You are walking around defeated. This is a way to get you back to being a Jedi again. And once you basically feel that you have gained that control of the Force, like I mentioned earlier, he was struggling to save Leia from basically being splat on the sidewalk, that he's lost that connection with the Force. These episodes will basically build him back to that connection. And then that's probably when Qui-Gon's going to appear to him because that Force connection that Obi-Wan lost over this 10-year period is back. And that's when he can commune yeah. with his ex-master. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm very, I'm so happy with how this premiere turned out. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Any, any other thoughts or should we get into our, our ratings? I'm up for I'm ratings. Ratings. Yeah. Okay. Are we reviewing as one or individual for each episode? See, let's, let's do two, two different episodes. Let's, let's review them individually. All right. Well, William, Steven? since you feel so confident about this, why don't you kick it off? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, sure, sure. I, I, so, you know, there was a lot of speculation as to what this show would be about. Would it be a retreading of uh, John Jackson Miller's Kenobi book, which was phenomenal, um, but more set on Tatooine? Um, how would they get Obi Wan off of the planet? Um, how? What kind of? What, what would happen? What would? What would? draw obi-wan out of hiding and how will they deal with you know putting vader and, and obi-wan against each other and we don't know the answer to that last question yet but i have to say i was i've been very impressed by the show so far i loved personally i loved how they took their time and really got you to feel Obi-Wan's isolation and desolation in many ways and kind of how he has a singular mission of watching over this child, uh, Luke. And, um, and, and then of course the introduction of princess Leia and seeing Alderaan, seeing her kidnapped and, and the whole dynamic is just a stroke of brilliance that I never in a million years would have predicted, but makes complete sense when you, when you watch it, you're like, wow, this was, this is exactly what they should have done. Uh, and so um, I, I think I have to give, ooh, uh, I think I have to give part one um, a, uh, uh, oh, this is, I hadn't thought super closely. I think I'm going to give them both a, um, a, a, a nine out of 10 Womp Rats. I, I just, I absolutely loved these, uh, these two episodes and I think they're a great start. I love seeing them in the, the in a theater, basically with with you know thousands of other Star Wars fans. And um, uh, I cannot wait to see where this series goes. And my nine Wombrats um, are uh, they they got their uh, their little paws uh, chopped off by Inquisitor Reva because she's not very friendly and. They wouldn't tell uh, her where the Jedi is. So you know they're on the they're in the desert. They see everything. They know everything. They have this Womp Rat network. They're talking all the time, but uh, they weren't they weren't willing to reveal Kenobi's location. 
Tom, you want to go next? As sitting there, you uh, sat there with me. You sat there with me in the yeah. I know. I sat the there theater. with you, and, and I, I, the hardest thing for me is I'm gonna. I, I just, I, I love both episodes. The one thing I really appreciate these shows being on Disney Plus is not only do they not have commercials, but the best thing about it is they are letting the story tell the story within the time frame that it's written. And that's what I like about it because you had the first episode that was about an hour and then you had the second so the second episode with was shorter. So they're really telling tight stories. Mm -hmm. um, I will have to say that yes, the first episode did feel long. There was, yeah, I think it was three times you saw him at the uh, meat farming uh, factory. Um, and then to him to go back to his Opie and feed his Opie and all, all that did kind of drag a little bit. But I think it was done that way to, to build up that Obi-Wan basically has lost faith in the Jedi Order. And the Jedi Order is just done at that point. And he was defeated. And I think he even said that. Defeated. Go home. Just, just we're done. I thought, I loved the first episode the way it was. I have to give that episode. It's hard for me to, William, I understand the nine but there's so many more episodes left. You just don't want all of them to be the same score. So I have to go 8.5 on the first one because it just gets out of the gate. The Leia thing, I really appreciated the left turn. I don't see her as the MacGuffin because normally when you have a MacGuffin, it's just something there and you never, quote unquote, see it. But it's always referred to. In this case, Leia was the one that was in danger. Leia was the one that she, he had to go rescue. So... To me, that was a natural story part because you had to leave Luke on the planet. Okay. Um, so that, that totally worked for me. So I'm, I'm giving the first episode an 8.5. Second episode, I am going to give that a 9. There's only one thing about the episode that kind of bothered me a bit. And that was the, I think, over-the-top acrobatics of Riva as she was going through the city. And I mean, in some cases, it was just over-the-top. Actually, I'm going to flip it. I'm giving the first episode a nine and the second episode an 8.5 because of that. So flip it. Do that. Um, but I enjoyed both episodes. To see both episodes with everybody at Celebration was amazing. And I really appreciated them doing that because the energy in the crowd was great and, and loved every minute of it. So with my Womp Rat rating scale, in the first episode, the 8.5 Womp Rats, See, when Luke, the one thing that we, we kind of glossed over, but you saw in the trailer, when Luke got on to the little hut area where he was trying to be pod racing and pretending to be pod racing as Obi-Wan was, was watching him, he wasn't practicing pod racing. He was actually practicing bullseye womp rats in his T-16 back home. So he basically bullseyed 8.5 womp rats on the back of the, the hut. That's what Luke did. And that's what happened to those 8.5 womp rats. I'm sorry, the nine Womp Rats from the first episode. The second episode, the 8.5 Womp Rats. Um, well, when Obi-Wan and Leia got into the transport to get off the planet, um, 8.5 Womp Rats, well, it would have been a nine, but that one romp, Womp Rat didn't make it between the doors in time when they closed. So that's why there was only 8.5 Womp Rats that made it to the transport to get off the planet with Obi-Wan and Leia. Steven, you're up. 
Boy, I, I left you guys me. speechless, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like we covered everything for that there is to say. I'd say uh, the first episode I did enjoy. I think I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. A little bit lower, not just because it was a little bit slower paced, um, and it felt a little bit um, larger than it needed to be necessarily. I would have loved to have seen it be a little bit snappier, maybe a, move into the story a little bit faster. But I can't really complain. It was still overall a very solid episode um, and very good. Um, but my eight Womp Rats, CC, we saw Obi-Wan try and give Luke a, a T-16 Skyhopper, you know, toy. Um, and of course, Obi-Wan, being the, the good sand uncle that he is, has tried many gifts to give to Luke, um, including at one point uh, a litter of eight Womp Rats for Luke to raise and, uh, you know, and have pets. Um, but of course, Owen just sent them out in the desert because, you know, Owen didn't want pets in, in the homestead. Um, second episode, I'm also I'm just going to make it unanimous and give it another nine. Uh, very much kind of fixed my issues with the first episode, got the plot moving. Great to see the various interactions between like Luke or not Luke, uh, Leia and Obi-Wan. Um, and I think it sets up, you know, the rest of the show, which I'm really lo- looking forward to seeing. Um, I suspect we'll get higher than a nine, but uh, I think we'll see. Uh, but my nine Womp Rats, well, you know, Haja obviously had to learn to pretend to be a Jedi somewhere. Um, and he started off on the streets by, you know, performing his Jedi acts to Womp Rats to perfect it. And that's maybe why, you know, the Womp Rats are obviously hard to impress. So maybe that's a little bit why he was over the top here and uh, not quite as on point with his Jedi impersonations as he thought he was. Nice. Well, yeah, I guess this was a fantastic fantastic discussion i i I loved this i loved these episodes it's so nice to have you and mcgregor back there's so much for us to discuss but i think we'll have to leave it here for now and of course we will be back soon with more uh more of our reviews of kenobi then the third episode third part actually drops on wednesday and all wednesdays thereafter so it's a very short five-day wait uh between episodes and uh yeah this is uh as we're recording this as you're hopefully you're listening to this if you're listening on uh on the day we release this episode um you're just waiting uh two days um for for this just our day and a half ish so uh we're almost there we will uh, we'll be we'll be recording our episode. Um, uh, we traveling, so our episode might be out just you know, a little bit later than usual, a day or two later than usual. Um, but we'll be back very soon with our review of part three. Anything else before we close out, guys? I will just say that celebration was a lot of fun. Um, we will have to do a review of that at some point or we give you, and we missed you there, Steven. More. We missed you there. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Yes. Next time. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we've got, we, there was so much going on. It was so hard to keep up with everything putting on, on our social media. Although William, you did very good with it. Me, I was just in awe and lost my voice and everything else. So it was, uh, but there was a lot of things going on within, within the show and all the stuff. And, and it was pretty cool. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a great time. And uh, always yeah. good seeing you, Tom. And Good uh, seeing you, too. Yeah, and, and we'll be back in, uh, in about a week or so with our... Yeah, in about a week. Yeah, with our review of Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 3. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. 
For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.